Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. I'm Gumshoe Tom, everybody. <laughs> we are Team Bitch. We are here to talk about True Detective Season 4, Part 4. And if you notice the doldrums in Tom's voice, it's because I made a comment last episode about him being too cheery while we talk about all these people getting murdered. Uh, I assume that's why he's doing it, although he... You know, he may have his other reasons. He may be doing an Eeyore impression. Tom, are you sad because of all of the death in Ennis? Yeah, I feel like I need to bring my my energy down a peg because this episode was dark. It was good. It was a great episode, but this one was was dark. What do you think? Did you did you enjoy this one? They definitely went more into the horror vibes that we kind of talked about in the first episode. What's your take? Yeah, no, I've never been a jump scare guy, so I'm <laughs> never going to be one that's like, hey, give me more. And I don't know when we decided as a culture that the creepiest thing in the world was like a dead woman with hair in front of her face that was like <laughs> slightly rotted. I think The Ring, I'm sure horror fans mm-hmm. will tell me I'm wrong, but that is the first time I remember being terrified of a <laughs> young female corpse. Um, well... There's some others, but we won't get into it. Um, so, no, I, I enjoyed this episode, but I did. You're right. They leaned into the horror, and uh, there were certain times I watched it, and I was like, didn't need that. Not going to sleep tonight. That feels good. <laughs> Don't look uh, under your bed. Yeah. How about you? Uh, no, I, I dug it, man. Like, I like where they're going this season. I know this season has been, and I don't know, you probably are not big on the social medias, but the writer-creator uh, Issa Lopez has apparently been getting a lot of flack because of the way she's telling the story or her artistic vision because that Nick Palazzo guy or whatever his name is, apologies, I don't know it, who's kind of the original creator to the first three seasons, he apparently is not a big fan and he lost like any sort of like writer credit to this. Um, so there's a lot of backlash online, but I think it's completely ill-founded because it's different, which is fine. Like the show can still have elements of the true detective like universe, but still be its own thing. And I've very much been enjoying the the series so far. Yeah. The way I would, uh, obviously it's been a fun journey. It's going to continue to be a fun journey. I will say if we get to the conclusion and all of the like horror elements and the supernatural elements are kind of explained away, I might have bigger issue than if at the end of this show, there is like a supernatural element to it, albeit Mm -hmm. like kind of questionable in terms of, hey, was that real? Was it a vision? All those things. Tom, you and I watched that Stephen King adaptation on HBO, which was called The Stranger, maybe? What was that one called? You lost me, man. I, I remember watching a handful of Stephen King joints on the was a Netflix show, but I couldn't tell you what it is. Yeah, it was the one with like El Cuco or whatever it was. The um... Oh, that's okay. That was like a series, right? It wasn't a movie. Right. Did I say movie? Forgive me. I, I apologize if I said movie. But no, that series, I, I kind of hope this is within that vein. There is like a supernatural element mixed with some detectivists. The Outsider. Uh, the, the Outsider, outsider thank you. That's the one with uh, Tom Cruise and all those young movie stars. The <laughs> Outsiders, that's right. Um, no, I hope it's like that rather than like, hey, some northern lights hit a gas plant and everyone saw visions and there are no dead bodies pointing at you. <laughs> like Me and my wife went back and rewatched. Uh, did you watch Fargo, any of those seasons? Yeah, I watched the 
first two seasons of Fargo. Yeah. Because again, it's similar to the show. I think we had mentioned where they're kind of in the same universe, but each season is its own deal with a new set of cast. Um, and in season three, they, and spoiler alert here, if you haven't seen season three of Fargo, but they do this very weird, like spaceship alien thing oh, where no. they show a spaceship kind of come in, but just to kind of play with the characters and then it just takes off. But then like one of these big climactic uh, scenes in the end of the series, like a spaceship just hovers over and shines a bunch of lights on all the major characters and then just leaves and it's never touched on again. It's just so wild and out there. I absolutely loved it. Okay. And I don't think, I don't think the show is going there, but uh, I don't mind a little bit of uh, wildness like that. Sure. Yeah. I think you and I are looking for different things in our television <laughs> shows, um, but that's fine. You like um, ancient aliens and I like Ken Burns documentaries. We're just, mm-hmm. we're operating at different levels, but still learning the same history, I will say. <laughs> All right, let's dive into episode four. This starts with Danvers listening to White Noise. Does she listen to the white noise? She's clearly maybe got a little bit of a, a substance. We see her drinking pretty hard, although mm-hmm. Julian, don't judge people that drink too hard. <laughs> um, so I'm going to roll that one back. But she's listening to white noise. We don't know if it's 3.30 a.m. or p.m. because there's no sun in this place. <laughs> but it, obviously she's dealing with some sort of trauma and this white noise like helps her. Is she really afraid that she's going to hear... Um, I was going to say shake it off, but it's twist and shout. Man, <laughs> it's on my brain. She's everywhere, man. Oh, goodness. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's like at first I thought it was a means for her to like focus when she's doing her detective work, which she had in her headphones. But now that she listens to it while she's like sleeping, I, I don't know. But she was kind of like up and awake while she was listening to the white noise. Maybe she was thinking about the case or yeah, maybe she's hearing voices and she's hearing her, her dead son and by, she's trying to like drown it out. I don't know. Oh, that was dark. Now you typically, you're not a white noise guy. You have the one where the whales are, are making sweet, sweet love in the ocean. That's the one mm-hmm. that you listen to when you're trying to, we'll call it focus. Correct. I mean, I've got a little bit of tinnitus myself. So having a little bit of uh, whale mating is always a, a welcome sign. Whale mating mixed with the <laughs> screeching of your eardrums dying. Sure. That makes Correct. sense. All right. She's rewatching the Annie Kotak video. And mm-hmm. Tom, how many times did you stop, rewind, try to pinpoint frames in this video? Well, there weren't any words on the screen, so I didn't. But um <laughs> <laughs> when they it's, notoriously i like to stop at their small words in print on the screen there's the way she kind of slowed it here I, I, eventually we find out it's like whale bones right but i thought it was almost the outline of a person did you get that at all no i don't know if i wasn't wearing my glasses but i couldn't see i was okay. like oh there's blue ice behind her that was the best that i could do yeah it was kind of like framed and there's like a light shining seemingly towards like where a head would be it to me, it looked like somebody was just like filming it, and that's what she saw. But it's kind of like more the arc that you see on the right side of the screen that has the the whale bones, where they kind of to figure out it's an ice cave somewhere locally, I guess. Yeah, I assume the show's going to tell me what I need to glean from this video, or at least Reddit, which I'm not reading. We'll figure it <laughs> out. So I didn't spend much time too too focused. Uh, I was pretty focused on no one has bought a single Christmas gift in this uh, show, and it is December 24th, which as we That's all know. True. No? That's not true, man. Quavik got a gift. Quavik got a gift for uh, Navarro. We see it later in this episode. Okay, that's true. He got a <laughs> lovely gift for her. Uh, 
But it's been 48 hours, so Anchorage is in picking up those bodies because they're all thawed out. I like to think that the bodies are literally just like now like contorted flatly on the ice and are just kind Mm -hmm. of sliding around on the ice because (laughs) the ice is melted on the ice rink. And then there's kids with hockey sticks just kind of pushing them around like they're stones for curling. Anyways, (laughs) that's too much, Julian. Um, We have, uh, it's Julia as the sister, correct? She's having an episode Mm -hmm. on the side of the road. I was like, that person... It's like when you go skiing and someone's shirtless, you're like, listen, lady, I don't think you're that warm. Or sometimes it's a guy. <laughs> um, but I guess in Arizona, maybe we ski differently here. But she yeah. is having an episode. Danvers very sweetly stops her and goes to take care of her. And I'm like, I still don't buy it, show. Danvers is still a terrible person. You can have <laughs> her try and be kind to someone. She's still terrible and racist. That's my stance. I think she's like... I, I, yeah, I don't know how they're trying to paint her. It's like she's kind-hearted, but she's still miserable to most everybody she meets. But clearly, she has a close relationship with Navarro and and her her sister here, so she's just trying to do the right thing and and look after her. Because I'm sure this isn't the first time that Danvers has, has helped out Julia. Well, yes, I would disagree with you. I mean, their relationship is close, maybe in the fact that they know each other well. I don't. I wouldn't say they are. Uh, super super buds like you and I with our secret well, but I handshake. Feel, <laughs> I feel like Danvers is just trying to push her away. Like I, I think they are kind of close, as, as close as a friend that Danvers can seemingly get. Sure, sure. Yeah, I guess they're murder buddies, so mm-hmm. that makes them close, right? Yeah, you have to be. <sighs> exactly. Uh, Ted and Danvers talk, and this is he's down from anchorage which lets us all know there's going to be some sweet love making eventually in this mm. you can't keep these two crazy kids they're just so in love <laughs> can't keep them away from each other but danvers is like listen i need you to know these men died before they froze which i'm gonna reiterate what i said last podcast is this a real surprise they all look like they're freaked out like we mm-hmm. Like, I don't think when you're slowly... I'm pretty sure you just kind of fall asleep when you're freezing to death. I haven't done it before, Tom, but (laughs) I'm pretty sure you just kind of fall asleep. Or these guys were all, like, practical jokers, and they're like, listen, we're going to die on this ice. We're going to die real slow and calmly. Everyone make a funny face. Hold that. Oh, Frank, that's a good face, man. Hold that. They're going to be terrified. Uh, it's yeah i mean i do you feel like ted Connolly here is a little bit suspicious like he kind of mentions like hey let's keep this on a need to know basis kind of a deal like do, do you think he's trying to hide something or he's trying to cover something up as he's running for mayor i guess uh or do you think he's on the up and up no tom i as someone who ends most of his conversations with hey we need to keep this on a need to know basis. <laughs> I no, I didn't find this suspicious at all. I have a I've I've two kids. I'm constantly like, listen, when your mom shows up, we keep this on a need to know basis, all right? Um and they're like, But you broke the window and I'm like, Narc and uh that's why my kids are grounded constantly for being snitches. No, I didn't I didn't find him suspicious here. I actually I mean, he might be bad, but everyone in comparison to Danvers, I'm like, Danvers treats that person really poorly. But maybe Danvers just knows all these people are terrible. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. This leads to Julia being dropped off at the treatment center. 
which I think is called like the lighthouse. And this was brought mm-hmm. up before she was like adamant about not going. Um, I mean, listen, I've never been in this situation. Heart wrenching. Both Navarro and Julia as characters and actors. I, I just I felt bad for this for this uh, situation. I wrote mm-hmm. in the outline, Tom, is the treatment center suspicious? Something must have gone on there that I was like, is this where we send a bunch of people and then people disappear? Um, <laughs> is this a human trafficking hub? Is that what we're... I mean, you're laughing, but these are some of the things that... I think maybe we're not asking enough questions about the lighthouse. What even is a lighthouse? Does it shine the light for where the human traffickers should go? Probably. I don't know. No one knows what a lighthouse does. Tom, have you ever interacted with a lighthouse in your life? No. I mean, I've taken a picture of one or two. Case in point, friends. It's probably the lighthouse. This, um, like, uh, this funded... Uh, treatment center that's just trying to help people. I'm very <laughs> suspicious of you, Lighthouse. Listen, if Danvers taught us anything, it's to ask the right questions. I would argue you're not asking the right questions, but I appreciate you asking questions. Sure, sure. Like, why is there a lighthouse in the middle of land? Lighthouses should be near water. Boom. Um, maybe, that speaks <laughs> to, maybe that speaks to global warming, where we're all going to be really close to water soon. Boom. Listen, for roasted. a town... That has no sun. I would imagine a lighthouse is like the perfect sun substitute. Mm. Yeah, but they use they use one of those like uh, infrared lights, so you can't actually see the light at yeah. the lighthouse. That's. Yeah. But it does really make uh, blood and urine stand out. I won't mention oh, the third. <laughs> All right, let's move on. I'm on a tear, Tom. I apologize. We're like three minutes into this recording, and I can't stay on the I can't stay on the rails. Danvers, the nicest police chief in the world, makes Pete work on Christmas Eve and put out Mm. an APB on one Otis, this uh, German national that they, I guess, has similar injuries to the gentleman that all died on the ice from the Salal facility. Yeah, I think like the eardrum bursting, the self-inflicted wounds, like eyeballs burnt or whatever. I don't know. Like, I feel like this was kind of pigeonholed in a little bit just to be able to, I I don't know, get us to this next place. Like, I I like where they went with it, but it seemed a little bit too cute that everything was just perfectly aligned with this guy and his symptoms. But then him having like a, a history of disorderly conduct. So they feel like they have a new suspect now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... People can add us. Is there a database where you can look up where people have similar injuries just so you're like, oh, you can like connect the injuries? Because that's what Pete ultimately does is he goes on a database Mm -hmm. and he types in Germans with blown eardrums (laughs) and then a bunch of like death metal concert goers show up (laughs) and he's like, all right, burned retinas. And it's like a bunch of death metal pornographists show up or i guess pornography frequenters show up because that's what i was gonna say eclipse watchers eclipse watchers probably better for a podcast for children (laughs) actually (laughs) kids have questions not for children we apologize that's true true detective is not for children if my kids watch this they would not be able to keep it on a need-to-know basis and they will (laughs) most certainly rat me out to my wife um (laughs) Anyways, they put out an APB on Otis, and that's why Pete's going to miss Christmas Eve. Now, what is he missing on Christmas Eve? Is he missing a dinner? Is he missing, like, the opening of one gift? Is he missing... 
What is he missing, Tom? What do you do on Christmas Eve that if you weren't home for, you would miss out on? Listen, we don't know what their traditions are, but I would argue just being present with your family on Christmas Eve is a joy in and of itself. Good point. Um, Opening presents. I didn't hear anything but presents when you were talking because that's what Christmas means. That's the true meaning of Christmas to me. Sorry, Mom. Goods. Goods. (laughs) Goods. Commerce. Me getting stuff. All right. All right. Uh, do you have anything more to say about our good friend Otis, Milo and his buddy Otis? Mm, no, outside of he was creepy at the end. I feel like I did recognize this actor. I know probably people hate this on podcasts. We say, oh, I recognize that asker, actor, but then don't say what he's from. Uh, but I thought he did a good, good uh, creepy vibe here at the end, too. Yeah, I mean, if you take someone's eyeballs, they're inevitably going to be creepy. <laughs> Um, Fair point. All right. Uh, Hank is picking up his fiance, and I mean, you know, I don't like horror movies, but I love a rom com. And just, Mm -hmm. you know, this, I thought they played when she comes off that airplane and he has got that, uh, I don't know, gift for her and the rose petals. And you can just tell these two kids, much like. Collins and Danvers are just going to be in love for a real long, long time. Unfortunately, she does not get off of the plane. He is super sad. And this just made me think about when I had a girlfriend in grade school. And when I was (laughs) asked about her, I was always like, she goes to another school. But (laughs) here's a magazine clipping of what she looks like that I put in a picture frame. But she goes to a school across town. Yes, pen pen pal. Turns out that pen pal had a prison number, but that doesn't matter. (laughs) Let's move on. What's what's your thought about Hank here? Do you have any sort of sympathy for him? Um, He seems like we see him later in the scene, and he seems still to not believe it, that she's still coming, tries to give her an excuse. Do you you feel for him, or do you think he's a sleazebag? No, I feel for Hank. Hank has got a kleptomaniac thief for a son that's constantly going into his house and stealing boxes of evidence that are rightfully hanks this was an argument that happened in my living room by the way um got uh real real yelly in the living room when this got brought up um so hank has got a a fiance that can't make it to a plane so he probably paid for that plane ticket now he's got to pay for her to get on another flight because she was probably late to security at the airport and Mm -hmm. then thief of a son and also used to be the chief of police now he just picks roses and lays them on beds so yes i feel bad for (laughs) hank in the most way possible in fact i think he's going to be the hero of the show Hmm, okay he's gonna make a turnaround yep yep because if i know anything it's that guys standing at airports with stuffed animals always winners Mm-hmm. Danvers and Navarro are back in the vehicle together driving. They're talking about prayer and spiritual stuff. And I will say that in terms of like a through line with past episodes of True Detective, two people driving in a car talking about important things is, I mean, so I guess it's this show doing that and then comedians and cars getting coffee. Like that is, I guess, the lost season of True Detective is Seinfeld driving around with people. But um, I do enjoy these discussions, although it's typically just Navarro's being a jerk. <laughs> Navarro or Danvers? Danvers I'm sorry, Danvers just being a jerk. It. No, Navarro's it, great. And Navarro, like, 
I feel like this was the opportunity where she could have said, like, hey, by the way, when we were at that uh, hospital, that dude got up and pointed at me before he died and said this super creepy thing. And she never does, uh, nope. which I think is is interesting because she's not kind of playing out these things that she knows is kind of wild in her mind. I think she realizes they're wild and she's not even telling uh, Danvers about it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, let's put a pin in that one because I think that's going to be important as we talk about this later in the mm-hmm. pod. These two are going to visit that uh, handsome geologist, super tall. Um, he has a wife, and uh, I got the sense that Danvers and the wife were pretty, uh, pretty <laughs> close chums, right? Uh, she was none too pleased to see to see Danvers, and I loved the little lie that uh, Navarro says, like, "Is there anybody you haven't slept with?" Uh, it was great. Small town, small town, a lot mm-hmm. of nighttime. I mean, you know, which is where nighttime's the right time. Uh, oof, okay. Gross. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of gross, uh, we find out that it's whale bones in the ice caves and that these ice caves, which Navarro earlier in the episode was like, there's no ice caves around here. This guy's like, oh, no, there's certainly ice caves at the Brooks Range. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's when we found out that Navarro was not a geologist. And guess who, Tom? convenient storytelling device i'll give you eight guesses who mapped these caves and his name rhymes with coitus oh goodness i think it's one otis who we just met not three scenes ago yes so (laughs) good on us uh Anyways, so thank you, Storytelling Conventions. Uh, We now know that Otis is going to be the uh, coitus of this episode. Um, (laughs) I think I'm using that term, right? (laughs) Honestly, I I don't know what it means. It's an Alaskan term. Yeah, never experienced it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We cut to Julia, who sees an orange. She's at the facility, the lighthouse, which we're all very suspicious about. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a roll-by fruiting, as opposed to a drive-by through. Yep, right. Mm-hmm. Roll-by fruiting. That's true. Uh, and uh, guess who? I mean, the coincidence of her. I'm assuming she's randomly assigned a room. She is assigned a room, <laughs> and who is under her bed? But her dead mom. Like, what are the chances? Can you imagine? <laughs> going to like a hotel looking under the bed and your dead mom is underneath that bed. Whew. I mean, we've all found dead bodies under our beds, but for it to be your mom is just, yeah, astronomical, struck by lightning kind of stuff. Listen, I don't want to brag, Tom, but I'm at a point in my life where I'm not staying at dead body under bed hotels. I've upgraded, <laughs> you know, to the motel nine dead and roaches. a half. Yeah, the, yeah. Yes. Yes. The ones where you don't want to turn a black light on. Mm-hmm. or an infrared light. So this was weird, right? Certainly yeah, scary. Yeah, we have like this, 
this through line of both Navarro and Julia seeing oranges, which is kind of interesting. Um, my assumption is that her mom maybe saw oranges and maybe they all died of like some sort of anti-scurvy type disease, right? Maybe they too many oranges, too much high C. Is that a thing? Yep. Too, I mean, too much high C, certainly. I, I, mm-hmm. I remember putting a straw in a box of high C as a kid and my mom slapped it out of my hand. She said, oh, too much high C. Yeah. Mm. All that ectoplasm everywhere. So, yeah. No, I I don't know if this is scurvy related. I know that's been the culprit on most of the shows that we've watched. Global warming and scurvy are things that we look out for. (laughs) But, uh, I mean, they are making parallels, right? Julia has clearly have some mental um, issues that she's going with. And Navarro has two so i like the i like the orange that you're concluding between the two is mm-hmm. that a phrase orange yeah i don't i mean we don't have any orange symbolism right like we just that both of them have seen it we know that the cross that she also sees belonged to her mother which both of them have also seen but i don't know if we really know the origin of of the orange unless it is supposed to be when that guy just was doing the search party and dropped out of his bag uh, I mean, the origin of the orange is it comes from a tree, Tom. So an orange <laughs> tree would be the um, the origin. Yeah, what's the first tree? Was orange. it in one of those those Eden gardens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Genesis, yes, in one of those Eden gardens. <laughs> That's an incredible way of phrasing phrasing that. I I would just I'm pretty sure in season one of True Detective, the like cult of child molesters. They have an annual orange dodgeball tournament, so they throw mm. oranges at each other. So that's okay. probably some that's parallel. But we, yeah, we'll let Reddit figure that one out. Let's move on from this orange to Pete and Hank having a talk. And Hank very kindly invites himself over for Christmas Eve, mere hours before Christmas Eve <laughs> starts, which seems like, once again... Hank being a good guy, just making sure everyone gets a piece of Hank on Christmas. Yeah, and again, he's still in denial here. He had different plans on Christmas Eve that uh, that need to need to change. Yep. Do you think it's denial, or is he just trying to save face? I I don't know. I, my my initial thought was saving face through this conversation, but like he gives an out saying that her mother was sick, that kind of thing. I think he still is in denial and thinks that it it might still come to fruition. How surprised are you going to be when, like, Hank isn't involved in any of the other mystery of the show, and in the finale, this beautiful woman shows up and is just like, (laughs) our president started a war for no reason and is a real jerk, Uh, so my (laughs) flight got delayed, but I'm here and I love you, Hank. And it was just like a sweet, sweet love story in the background of this god-awful murder mystery. Listen, it'd be nice to have a little bit of light. And maybe that's when, like, the sun finally appears and then she comes from, like, the distance riding on a horse in slow-mo. I think it'd be great. Yeah. I mean, they're in Alaska, right? She's coming from Russia. She can probably ride a horse from there. Tom, you and Sarah Palin make great points about the distance between Alaska and Russia. Thank you, sir. You're a true patriot. All right. Is that a name people rem- remember? Uh, it doesn't matter. Let's move on. Let's hope not. Uh, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> catching strays on a podcast. Oh, poor Sarah. All right. Uh, Navarro goes to visit Rose. Um, 
Rose is dressed like this is like another staple of the horror film is like when a older person gets dressed up in their fanciest gown in order to welcome <laughs> death. Like, what is going on here? We get this weird story where Rose is like, I used to be a very serious professor. Where did she get all that food? Like, this is the <laughs> this is that Johnny Cash Hurt music video. Like, what is going on in this in this house? I don't know. I still don't really know what to make of Rose here. They even have a back and forth where Navarro says, like, that probably isn't your real name. And I can't remember what she says her last name is here. So I do think it's interesting that both Navarro and Rose, these two characters, we don't know their, like, real names. Like, Navarro doesn't know her, like, native name and Rose seemingly isn't giving it. I wonder if that's going to kind of play in some form or fashion. Because I just don't know how Rose fits into the greater scheme of the season outside of trying to be a through line to season one yeah no i don't have any idea i was just like she's not eating all that does she have company coming over <laughs> i mean what what's going on here it, and it oh, looked, yeah. navarro didn't even take any of it that's a good point although she was like do you have any oranges and rose was like <laughs> nope anyways the mine office and by mine office, I'm not saying like my office in like an old Englishy way. I'm saying the <laughs> mine that digs something out of the ground, which we still don't know. Probably oil. Um, the mine office has been vandalized by Danvers' daughter. This mm -hmm. leads to a conversation with the mine lady and Danvers, who are also super friendly chums. Yeah, didn't again another Danvers apparently sleeping with Kate's husband, ex-husband. I don't know what that is, but clearly they're not big friends. And Kate wants to throw the book at her daughter just as a means to get to Danvers. What I thought was like very interesting in here is like the parking lot of this uh, mining facility or headquarters had a bunch of Teslas in it. I can't imagine a Tesla is a very efficient vehicle when there's absolutely no sunlight uh, or like your battery is in the freezing cold. I don't think it's going to work very well. It seems, it seems inefficient for this environment. Listen, Tom, you don't have to tell me this. I've been against electric vehicles and green energy for years. I mean, <laughs> run these things off diesel. I've been, mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I have to say it. I've only got like 15 more years on this earth. I don't care what happens afterwards. Boom. <laughs> <sighs> You're welcome, children. I hope you listen to this after I'm dead. All right. Ooh, speaking of dead, great transition. Um, oh, we have, uh, I don't know. Sometimes shows give you a warning at the beginning of it, which I'm not going to say ruins like what could have been kind of a shocking surprise. I see why they do it, and I appreciate it. And obviously suicide is not something to joke about, but you do get a warning in the beginning of this episode and then, sure enough, this is Julia who has left the lighthouse and she is conducting suicide by ice. And it made me sad. Yeah, it's so heart-wrenching the way it was shot, too, where she's, like, calling her sister and having, like, one more conversation. She's sitting at that same, like, boat in the middle of nowhere where they obviously had, like, a history or they, where she would kind of go and she's distressed. Um, yeah, it was just, it was awful. But I feel like... The, the interesting point with this sequence, too, is that she does she strips down and she folds her clothes. She puts them all together, just like all the people that died in the Salal uh, facility. So, again, I don't know if there's anything to kind of tie to that, but it seems too coincidental not to have some sort of, I don't know, through line. 
Sure. Yeah, they do make a very... There's like a very long shot from the camera lingering on folded clothes. And so Mm -hmm. you do have that thought of what is the relationship. Tom, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't fold my clothes in life. I would not fold my clothes in death. Like I would... (laughs) You would find a string of them wrinkled all over the ice if this is how I decide to go. Mm -hmm. And I do not apologize. Folding clothes is for losers. <laughs> wow. Coming in hot. People that work in apartment stores. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the people I'm talking directly to. Uh, <laughs> there should just be there should just be buckets of clothes in stores that you get a <laughs> rifle through. Uh, that's how Michael wound up with that lady's pantsuit. Um, mm, from the office. What was the name of the brand? It was like Mystic. Ooh-la-la? I don't know what it was. Was it? No, I gotta look it All right, up now. No, let's move on. Let's move on. We don't have time, Tom. There's no time. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Leia leaves for the priors. So, this is where Leia, who is spray painted, I like when teenagers do this, they like vandalize a building. And then she gets to be mad at Danvers about that, Um, Mm -hmm. which obviously Danvers has made some mistakes here. But I mean, property damage is property damage. Am I right, Tom? The you are you are right. Uh, And the the jacket that Michael Scott had was mysterious. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, (laughs) But I I said like half of that. So go ahead. (laughs) I don't. it seems interesting that Leia's going to the Prior's house. I, I mean, I know they were kind of close, but I didn't realize that would be like her place to lay low. I would assume she would would go to like her her girlfriend's house. Um, but she, her being mad at Danvers, she makes a line saying like, "You don't have to, or I'm not going to keep making you pretend anymore." What what do you make of that? Like, pretend to be her mom, yeah. pretend to care for her. Yeah, so we still don't really know their relationship, right? Like how they came to be together we know that danvers based on what leia said in the beginning of the series is not her biological mother Mm -hmm. and this is what she's getting at is uh, you are taking care of me out of some sort of guilt you're pretending to care i'm not going to make you pretend anymore that's how i took it which you know is a conversation between two people in that situation i can't uh but yeah that's how i took it how did you take it no, I, I I think it is. I just, we don't, I'm still kind of confused. Like, we're getting a little bit more of Danvers' backstory and that she had a husband and a son that likely maybe passed in, like, a car accident or something like that. But I don't understand where she comes from. Is she, like, did she marry, uh, did Danvers marry into, um, like, a, a previous kid that maybe her poor, uh, husband had? Like, I, I just don't know where where she kind of, that relationship starts. Yeah, I'm assuming they're going to explain it to us. We do get the we do get the son and I believe the husband's name later on in this episode. The son's name's mm-hmm. Holden, I believe. But yeah, um, would this scene have been better if Leia was like, "I'm leaving. I'm not going to make you pretend anymore." And then the camera panned and Danvers was in like a, I don't know, like a clown costume, pretending <laughs> to be a clown, and it was just like. She's like, she's I thought doing you... mime work. Yeah, she's like, oh, I thought you liked when I mimed, pretended to be a mime. And Leia's <laughs> like, mimes don't talk. And then she gets in the door, slams it, and drives off um, with, I believe it's Kayla Pryor, uh, Pete's mm-hmm. wife, right? Mm-hmm. Which I do want to mention. I think Kayla in her phone has 
uh, Pete's name as Briar. Like their last name, that's the name when uh, uh, Pete calls her, which I thought was a bit uh, informal. Kinda sure. Cold. Well, I think this is a this was an internet thing that went around not too long ago. It's like if you asked husbands and wives, like what the what the wife was in the husband's phone as, or the husband what the wife was in. So like um, like my wife, I think I'm in her phone as like. I don't know, uh, sweetheart or something like that. Actually, that's what Gam Gam has me in her phone as. But um, and then I just have my wife in my phone as her uh, first and last name. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure my wife has uh, in my phone. I am Tom from Phoenix. <laughs> that's great. That's solid. That's solid. You're going to get in trouble for that one, but that one's solid. I like that a lot. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, if you'd like to experience um, getting to know who we married, we did a podcast with them once. I don't know mm-hmm. that uh, it stands it's still the out test there of time. you got to go find it. So good luck, friends. All right. Let's jump back into this. Someone is watching the video. Oh, I think this is Danvers doing detective work. And she realizes Mm -hmm. that in both videos, the power goes out. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's, yeah, I don't know how she makes it like from the videos of like the image crackles enough or whatever. But it is interesting because we know the engineer for the facility was Takak, right? So Mm -hmm. like, that's kind of maybe who they're going to lean and a suspect. And that's where... Danvers sends both Pryor and uh, Navarro to check it out. Now, have we ruled out Thor? Because I'm pretty sure there's like a freeze frame of a lightning strike. And then Mm. you see Chris Hemsworth in the middle of the lightning strike. So are we ruling out that Thor didn't come in and murder everyone in this show? No, you can never rule out the God of Thunder and Lightning. Good point. Good point. (sighs) Smart. Smart, smart, smart. Just like the Spanish, just like the Spanish Inquisition, you never, never rule it out, and you're always prepared for it, as the old saying goes. Always be prepared for the Spanish Inquisition. I think is the exact quote from that Monty Python skit. You're welcome. She you. gets hammered, Danvers. She keeps the vodka in the freezer, which is solid move because it won't freeze. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people know this, but. Uh, alcohol doesn't freeze, even in Ennis, where there's no sun. <laughs> and so rather than going with Navarro, she sends Pryor, and she really is terrible to him in every way, shape, and form. And the way this was shot, Tom, I said out loud, I said, Pete's going to die. Pete's not going to make it from this visit. I wrote it <laughs> in the outline, and guess what? I was wrong. Pete was fine. But I felt like, I really feel like it would have upped the stakes had Pete somehow perished during this visit to the uh, dog sledding lands. Yeah, I mean, he is kind of that more like young, not naive character, but the kind of like a dark, bleak show like this might put him in harm's way and, and see him off. I think we do get a little bit later where he actually finally gets to bed with his wife and makes a point about, I mean, I don't know, like they're, what they're arguing about or like all the back and forth is, 
seemingly about the kid that they had and that, I don't know, he didn't want him. She didn't want the kid. I don't know what it is, but like there's there, they have a rocky relationship to say the least. Yeah. We find out later that they got married because they got pregnant and it sounds mm-hmm. like she did not want that. Um, and so, I mean, not that we've seen, have we seen, Oh, I guess we, we did see one scene where they were enjoying each other's company, but yeah, it seemed pretty good in the beginning, but clearly there was more in the lines there. It's the holiday times, man. It's a tough time. Certainly yeah. since no one's buying anyone gifts in this, uh, episode or mm-hmm. show. So yeah, it's the holidays it's when everybody hates each other. That's yeah. That's when we should the most. Um, all right. Pete and Navarro drive out to the middle of nowhere. Her calling him freshman, I think is pretty funny. Um, (laughs) Takak is not at home. In fact, one would argue his home is abandoned. Pete says something like this feels a lot like, and then trails off. Did you, if I gave that as a uh, prompt, on Family Feud, what would you end that with as it pertains to this show? Pete says, this looks a lot like as they enter Takak's home. What did you think he was going to finish that sentence with? Potato salad? Survey says, ding, <laughs> ding, ding. Show me ding. potato salad. Show me. Show, sorry, <laughs> uh, I did the wrong one, Tom. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, I didn't, I didn't pick that up as anything weird i mean obviously we get the spiral thing no, but that he, we've but seen is he, before is he talking about like the trailer is he talking about the salal facility like what is why is he saying this looks a lot like did you like no i didn't pick that up oh okay sorry well, i'm sorry i can't yes stand you there but I, I didn't pick that up i mean there's obviously a lot weird going on in this scene where the shotgun that he was like holding at them sitting in that chair is just resting precariously on the chair in like kind of frozen almost which is cool and then like his shoes roll right there like it seems like he might have gone out into the snow without any clothes we don't really know what happened mm. all right i think it's worth noting here that when they are visiting Takak's home we see the other people that live out there and they do mention that right after their first visit he left so mm-hmm. he's been gone for quite a while and I guess to answer my own question, maybe the swirls and everything. Did we ever see Pete go to the trailer? Did Pete go to that trailer that Ray owned? No, I don't think so. But I think he, I mean, all that's evidence and everything else was brought back to the, uh, the station. So I'm assuming he's well-versed in the case and recognizes some so of it. So to answer my own question, maybe that's what he's saying. This looks a lot like maybe he means the trailer just because yeah. there's like you know dust and swirls and all those things so well the other thing that gets picked up here is uh, navarro picks up like that not only well i think the, the swirls on a rock here right so she actually takes it as like a piece of evidence away from the scene right 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 so that rock's probably not going to come into play again but never they leave here and we go and visit uh jody foster as uh, drunk danvers uh, being real sexy uh, and making some advances on Colin, who is Connolly. Connolly, I Connelly, called him yeah. Collins like 20 minutes ago, and you didn't correct me. Just let's <laughs> let's let him be Ted Collins. You know <laughs> okay. that sounds. You can change a last name, right? Maybe he married a Collins and he changed his last name. Who knows? I don't but know. But can can you? Yeah, if you could. I mean, how excited were you for round two here? 
Uh, Tom, on a scale of one to ten, I was an elephant. I had no interest <laughs> in this scene, and quite frankly, I was happy that it was cut short and never really reached. We'll just say climax. <laughs> Well, well done. Good word choice. How excited were you? Is that not the line they that Danvers uses when she like drunkenly winks at him? She's like, "How excited <laughs> are you?" Anyways, this was some kind of something. Uh, we then get Connolly telling Danvers, "You know, you're a good cop. You were even better than me. I knew that, but you're terrible with people. No one wants to work with you." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, I guess we're dropping some truth bombs here." And he brings up Jake and Holden, which are Danvers' former family. Ooh, that's yes. not the right way of saying Holden, that. Yeah, Holden was seemingly her uh, kid, and then Jake from State Farm, assumingly, was her husband. Jake from State Farm. I'm mm-hmm. sure she had a lovely policy. Maybe she's the murderer. We'll never know. That was dark. <laughs> Let's move on. I just wrote in the outline, poor Hank, Tom. So apparently at this point in the show, I felt bad for him. Yeah, this is where we get him picking up the rose petals and all that stuff and seeing the things that he prepared, hoping to have his uh, soon bride come to his place. But they do a transition here where I think in Connolly's uh, not apartment, but his little hotel, and then now at Hank's house, they're both watching Elf. So apparently there's only one channel, and the only thing you can watch on Christmas Eve is Elf, which mm. isn't a bad thing to watch. Uh, I do also want to point out that when uh, Hank looks in his fridge, there is orange juice in there. I think he's like pulling out scotch or he's pulling out something to get drunk. There's orange juice. So maybe he's the orange guy. He's the orange killer. Sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, listen, Tom, I would never revoke your gumshoe status, but that is a stretch, my friend. So... Let's just move on, but certainly leave it in for when you are very wrong. Um, This is, oh man, I haven't heard this much uh, orange uh, and orange juice talk since trading places and Mortimer and his brother trying to steal the futures on the uh, orange juice industry. That's a Mm -hmm. reference that most people will get. Um, Navarro gets notified that julia died and this was argue rather quickly right like this seems to happen the same night yeah same night found by the coast guard which i found strange but i think she walks she she walks out into the sea i think that's why she ultimately perished no i understand i guess i mean i guess i'd have to look into what the coast guard's doing are they just driving up and down the ice looking Mm -hmm. for ice i don't know um but this was interesting because navarro you know she doesn't tell pete she's just like got to take care of something she internalizes this and this all we're cut to pete at home in bed fighting with kayla it's that weird passive aggressive fighting that yeah no back to back in bed no married couple are you awake no let me tell you something uh (laughs) Apparently, we only got married because you got pregnant, and I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This made me sad. Yeah, again, they, they seemed lovely in the beginning, but something uh, it's the the holidays, changed man. very quickly. It's mm-hmm. the holidays and the lack of sunshine. If only the mm-hmm. sun would come out. If the sun would come out tomorrow, there'd be no more tomorrows. If the weather outside was call? weather, it'd be weather, <laughs> you know? <laughs> 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Navarro, as she's driving, gets the finger from the domestic violence guy. This actor's like, okay, so I get to get like knocked out in one scene. I get to get beat up in this scene. And then I get to beat up a cop in another. Sign me up, Golden Globes. I'm ready for my nomination. Uh, this was rough. I didn't, I mean, I didn't like Navarro beating on anyone nor getting beat on. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't know what the storytelling element. I'm obviously outside of that. She's clearly in a rough spot. She's seemingly just wants to feel something, wants to fight, and needs violence in her life. Doesn't seem very legal to just start uh, punching guys like crazy. Nor does it seem legal for all these guys to start jumping her. But uh, I'm assuming nothing will come of this, and we'll just move on in the next two episodes. I don't think anyone's violent charges. Um, <laughs> I think we're I think we're gonna move right on, and everyone seems to be doing well afterwards. Yeah. Um, uh, this was not anything that's worth mentioning, but I'll mention it because I put it in the outline. Uh, Danvers swerves and finds a polar bear, um, a one-eyed polar bear. What yeah. the lost is going on here? Yeah, I mean, we thought that this was something that was in Danvers' head because Danvers saw the same one. We know this is like the, the stuffy that You're has talking like about the Navarro. We thought this was in Navarro's sorry. head. Yeah, so sorry, yeah, because she saw it. But now Danvers is seeing seemingly the same one. So it's like, are they saying the same thing? Is this bear real? Like, what's what's your take? Do you think the bear is real? It's weird that two different characters both saw a one-eyed bear. It's also weird that we have a stuffed animal one-eyed bear. But... It's also weird that Lost had a polar bear and they were in Hawaii. So I don't what know. What is real? There, so this this makes me want to bring up this concept of when when I was kind of trying to dive deeper into what's going on with the mine, what's going on with the water. I feel like they, they make a point throughout the series so far, these first four episodes, to address like the good oral hygiene of seemingly everybody in town. A lot of teeth brushing. Uh, we had like Connolly doing like teeth whitening kind of deal and everybody's like drinking water, putting water. Um, yeah, I'm assuming what's going to happen here is because they're focusing so much on people drinking the water or using the water actively that maybe the people have like something like a mad hatter disease, which is like from mercury poisoning, um, because that can actually cause delirium hallucinations and like suicidal tendencies. So I'm wondering if some of the, like, it's not just the nighttime that's driving these people crazy. It's because of the mind. It's because of what's in these people's drinking waters that they're taking in and they don't know that's causing some of these hallucinations and, and things to happen in this town. Okay, let's just put the old car in reverse. What was the oral hygiene portion of that? <laughs> what? There's like multiple times where you see characters brushing their teeth, which just seems odd to be showing in a show. Like, yeah, we get characters, actors, they brush their teeth, but you like, don't think big dentistry came in and was like, listen, we'd <laughs> like to sponsor your show. 
also actually big dentistry would like hey show a lot of characters eating candy that way we'll be able to get more cavities and get more money i know how big dentistry works all right but you need to show if the water is the catalyst for these people kind of losing their minds like you can't just show them drinking the water because it's like dark and black at this point but if you show them like using it to brush their teeth or just taking like small amounts in i think i think that's why they're kind of focusing on a little bit because we know the mind has to come into play we know the water is bad um, but we don't know the extent of it. And maybe that is what's causing this this delirium in the town. Good point. I do also think it's weird that every character carries around one of those little squirt guns and squirts water into their mouth whenever they're thirsty. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I found that a strange point that the, the show is trying to, and the mm-hmm. water's always really black. So uh, I see where well, you're coming from. The fact it's not frozen is impressive too. Good, good point, Tom. Very good point. Well, salt water and booze doesn't freeze. So let's just assume they're brushing their teeth with vodka and seawater. Anyways, I don't know what to say to what you just said other than, sure, something could be in the water. Just like that Florence and the Machine song. Boom. Did it. Didn't take me any long to come up with that reference. Right didn't they have a, the an end credits end credits on this show? Didn't it have they Florence did. and the Machine? Seven so. Devils. I've been mm-hmm. listening to a lot of Florence and Machine because of this show. <laughs> uh, I put it on for my kids, and my kids were like, this music's weird. I was like, you're weird. Mm-hmm. Don't right. tell your mother. <laughs> Don't tell your mother. It's need to know basis. <laughs> and my wife was like, I'm standing right here. Um, and I'm like, you're always standing right there. Anyways. Don't tell your mother. Don't tell your mother. It's a need to know basis for everyone. And then Gam Gam was like, why are you shouting? I was like, because you can't hear Gam Gam, because you're 100 years old. Anyways, don't drink the water, Gam Gam. Uh, Navarro visits Quavec and shows him the spiral rock. Not intentionally, she drops it, right? And mm-hmm. he picks it up? Yeah, I don't. I, I feel like the rock has just kind of gone at this point. I don't know where it is but she kind of has it gives this whole speech about everyone being alone and she's obviously in in a depressed state um but i like the concept because it's like paralleling some of our other characters with danvers seemingly kind of being alone Connolly, you don't really know some of his backstory um pete hank like everybody does seem to be alone in their own own right yeah i don't know as long as you have netflix and books i don't think you can be alone that's kind of where i'm at as a person Hmm. that's what interesting that's what media i mean as long as you can buy your stuff on amazon are you really alone if the delivery guy shows up with something cool every day no you're not (laughs) um i mean you don't talk to them you wait until they leave to open the door and open your sweet Mm -hmm. sweet package of not alone but you know it is what it is (laughs) Uh, we should mention that Navarro's not looking her best right now because she got uh, the ice beat out of her by mm. three gentlemen. I guarantee all three gentlemen look worse, um, and her <laughs> finger is pointing in the wrong direction. I thought this was pretty funny. Yeah, I like how uh, Quava gives her the old Alaskan shuffle where he goes down to uh, pretend like he's proposing and then just pops her finger back into place. So sure, good. sure. <laughs> the amount of... Um, ex-girlfriends i have because of this <laughs> move Alaskan shuffle going down going down to propose and then pulling on their finger which none of them had dislocated fingers which made the move a little bit different mm-hmm. uh, and uncalled mm-hmm. for but tom i'll ask is the Alaskan shuffle a real thing why did you break <laughs> why did you use that term what i've just discovered i was too busy trying to formulate my own joke to realize wait what <laughs> 
I think it's from, this is where my mind goes. There's a movie called Lucky Number Slevin. And I believe in that movie. Oh, the classic Josh Hartnett. The classic yes. Josh Hartnett vehicle. Sure. The one we all Bruce, saw. He does like a, a Kansas City shuffle. And it's like getting somebody to look one way so you can do something in the other way. So that that's where my mind went. So for the three people that maybe picked up on, on my Kansas City Shuffle, lucky number seven reference. Oh, you're welcome. No one did. I'll just, now that you've explained it, no one did. You are alone. I love every bit of it, though. Thank you, sir, for being you and for watching a movie which I've never seen. You, But I'm just going to stop. You need to watch that movie. It's a lot of fun. All right, I'll give it a go. I'm going to leave right now, go watch it, and we're back. All right, great movie, Tom. Um, we're back with Danvers and Navarro, and there is a conversation here where Navarro goes, you still have, she says something like, you still have that polar bear, and we find out that the polar bear, the stuffed one, was Holden's, mm -hmm. which, which obviously was Danvers' son, and this causes Danvers to then throw the polar bear out into the uh, snow. She says something like, the dead are dead. Um, mm -hmm. which is uh, just off from the Bible verse, let the dead bury their own dead. But uh, did you expect when she threw that stuffed bear into the snow that it would turn into a real bear and then start mauling people like a Pokemon yeah. ball? <laughs> so the, the real big bear was inside the stuffed bear. So yes, once it hits snow, it activates. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess this is, so both Danvers and Navarro know of this, stuffy here um so i guess you could make an argument that's why they're both seeing it because they know it has close ties to the loss that danvers has kind of suffered so sure. if it is not a real bear you can see that they both are aware of it but yeah it's clearly danvers is trying to hold on to a piece of her son understandably when navarro uh, confronts her about it she's just trying to i don't know be a cool kid and say no i'm not He's dead. I don't need this stuff bear anymore. Throw it away. It 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 seems silly. It's like you could be vulnerable at some points. Right, right. Is this then? Is this Navarro that is talking? And she is like very deeply saying, "It takes us one by one. It's a curse." She's calling me now. Is that that's or that's Navarro, right? Yeah, I think she is at this point is just after the loss of her sister and taking all of the stuff in, she's starting to realize that. She, she's told Danvers that her sister is dead. Yes, yeah. Um, I think she's just she's realizing that both her mom, her sister, and now potentially her, she feels cursed, she feels like it's coming. She also, I think, says, like, she's calling me now and she follows, which I think is an interesting line. No, yeah, I don't like any of this at all. Not at all. We have the we have the flashback to the Wheeler, and and just to reiterate, Wheeler was the one where he was abusive to uh, his spouse. They showed up too late. The spouse had killed uh, his wife, and I think Wheeler is the guy, right? And and then. Mm -hmm. Danvers makes the comment that Wheeler was already dead when they arrived, but in the flashback, that's not what happens. He's alive, uh, humming twist and shout. And then we are, so we see this flashback again, and there is a dead woman who is Navarro's mom pointing over no, the this dead body? Or this is not. This is the dead body. Okay. This is the yeah. dead body standing over herself, pointing at 
Navarro. Mm-hmm. So this is where I want to do some theory crafting because I think the way this is set up, Danvers kind of mentions like, I can't remember how she positioned it, but she said like you were in some sort of like trance or you were seeing something in this scene. And this scene is actually shot different from when they showed it. Like when Danvers was talking about it um, initially and telling Pete about the story, she was kind of in a different position. Navarro was kind of to her right. Now when it's being retold here, seemingly because they both know the truth, Navarro's kind of on her left and she's kind of staring off into the distance and Danvers sees that she's kind of seeing something, but Navarro was still like, no, I didn't see anything. She's trying to play it cool, like nothing happened. But this is kind of the scene for me that is leading me to believe that Navarro here is potentially our killer. And she kind of goes into this trance-like state and she kind of has like an alter ego that is doing all of these these horrible, horrific murders. And, and yeah, it starts kind of there with her going into this trance state. I do think that she was the one ultimately here that killed Wheeler. And Danvers is kind of covering up for her. Mm-hmm. Um, I mentioned earlier when they talked about her mom, I still think it's possible that maybe and like she maybe killed her mom as a means to protect her sister in this in this fugue state. I don't know. There's a super interesting internet video by a gentleman, uh, YouTube video or YouTube channel called Think Story. Does a really good like deep dive, like 10, 15 minute episode uh, that, that kind of recaps a lot of these kind of series. And this one, he goes into this deep dive about and they, they mention it in the beginning of the season where like the, the kid Darwin is kind of drawing a picture of uh, some sort of like Inuit sea goddess called Sedna. Um, and in that picture had like red eyes, the fingers were all chopped off. Um, and, I, and if you kind of look at some of the lore of Sedna herself, um, there is some like tied to like lost fingers, that factory worker in the very beginning, that woman that uh, Danvers kind of, uh, not Danvers, excuse me, Navarro kind of comes help rescue. She was missing fingers, which seems hmm. like an odd thing for a character to not have. Cause I think the actress in real life does have all of her fingers. So sure. I feel like that might've been a nod to this, like uh, this goddess. Um, I think some other things that Navarro has said, she talks about like, she doesn't pray. She doesn't like speak and pray. She listens, which I think is kind of akin to what a God would do. They're more listening as opposed to actually like saying prayers. Um, This might be a leap, but when we do have that little flashback scene um, where she thinks about her military service and the wound of that uh, other soldier next to her was literally missing half of her head. Could it be like a little symbolism for her missing half of her mind um, and how she kind of has these like dual personalities. Um, The other thing to mention too is they do talk about Annie Kotak having like 30 star shaped wounds. I think at some point, even Navarro mentions that she was kicked. I think it's not a far leap to say that those wounds likely came from somebody wearing snow boots. Um, We see Kwavik wearing them at some point. Um, I would assume then Navarro would have access to Kwavik's snow boots that have those little sharp spines and stuff on it. Um, So maybe she was kind of like stomped. And and again, maybe this was, uh, you know, Navarro doing this and and actually is the one that kind of killed Andy. So I threw a lot out there. Again, a lot of this is from that that YouTube channel called Think Story. I'd look it up if you're interested. But this sequence of of her kind of in this trance state in the Wheeler case definitely leads me to think that Navarro could be our, our big bad in, in plain sight here. Hmm. Hmm. What you think? Am I, am I a little bit too, too off the roller coaster or is it has some legs? 
No, so all of this is new to me, so I'm a little bit digesting it as you said it. I think to reveal a little bit between Tom and I, after we had both watched this episode, Tom sent me a message that was like, I've got a wild theory. And I made a joke text, and then my second one was, oh, is it that Navarro's the killer? And I can't tell you where or why. I think it might be because of all of the, like, we'll just call them dead bodies pointing and, like, acknowledging Navarro mm -hmm. that there is, like, something very dark, like, and vengeancy of the dead that is, like, blaming Navarro, is trying to point out her guilt maybe so i don't think it's far-fetched all this other stuff that you've brought up is is new to me but there were a couple of vibes that came out of this episode and i don't know that i could pinpoint them which is i mean if that's what they're doing uh, i mean good on the show like i i, I enjoy that thoroughly mm -hmm. um but essentially it would be like Navarro is not intentionally doing these things. It would be mm -hmm. Navarro has some sort of mental or supernatural hold that is causing this, right? Yeah, it's either she's like potentially possessed by this like Inuit goddess or that, yeah, she's just doing it without... I mean, clearly she has no idea that she is doing this and she's kind of like covering her own tracks. And even the very end of the episode that we'll kind of get to, she's very much in that trance-like state when we kind of fade to black. Um it's just super creepy and yeah I, I also like the idea of literally these dead characters constantly pointing to our potential would-be killer so like throughout the entire season they've been literally pointing out who it is right 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 no i i like that too and i think there's something to be said that like someone who's taken an innocent light that i mean it's almost like edgar Allan poe with just the the dead calling out your guilt. So mm -hmm. I, I I do like that. Who knows how they land this plane, but but good work, Tom. And I'm glad that you stumbled across that uh, that YouTube channel. Um, and this all leads all of Tom's theory crafting leads us to the dredges. And I was like, oh, the dredges sounds ominous. And then I'm like, oh, slurry <laughs> pumps. I know what dredges are. It doesn't matter. Um, and it's people walking. Oh, they see a like a picture of someone walking over by the dredging. This is like an old mining site. Um, and we enter. What's better? Well, he, it wasn't just somebody walking, right? It was Otis. Uh, yeah, Otis. Well, we find out it's Otis, but the assumption is it was. Um, I'm blanking on the guy's name. Was the guy? Not no, no, the guy that Katak. Raymond. Raymond Clark. Raymond Clark. Because he's wearing the pink uh, jacket. Sure. Yeah. No, I'm glad that I guessed four names that were all wrong. Um, in the end, any type of industrial site in the middle of nowhere with no lights on that you're creeping through, real good time, right? Mm, this is not the place I would like to go. I mean, we see like these the spirals. We see that super, super creepy like spider graffiti. It almost looked like something from Stranger Things. Uh, just terrifying. Yeah, no, I thought it looked like something from Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And I was like, oh, are we about to drop a sweet, sweet track that I'm going to be jamming to after I get done with Florence and the Machine? Mm -hmm. But there's no superheroes here. 
Um, Navarro uh, gets called and sees a floating body in the water, and the body has blue hair, and I thought this is her hallucinating her sister, right? And yeah, this I leads like blue, to some greenish footprints. Yeah. And we eventually do get that jump scare. Yeah, I think it's her her sister. Well, so her sister had dyed hair, but then we also know the blue dyed hair had to do with Annie Kotox. So I guess you could interpret that either way. Um, I think I think it is. I uh, just based on the video that I watched when they kind of cut to it. I think it's green, and I think that's her uh, Julia's hair was more of that green color. Supposed got to it. Be. Got it. Got it. Got it. Obviously, someone clearly going through some like grief. So. Um, they can be forgiven their hallucinations. Danvers finds Otis. Um, there's a bunch of like drug paraphernalia in the corner, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. And then he also has the jacket with the smiley face patch, which is mm-hmm. important, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he starts saying these super cryptic lines like, Raven went back down to hide in the night country. I think like the night country is just generally like Ennis in this town because there is no light for a long extended period of time, but he makes it seem like it's some sort of like deep, dark, demonic place. I don't know. Maybe it's the ice cave. Um, but I like the little, I mean, not Easter egg, but the, the concept of them saying night country. My wife, me and my wife immediately just look at the TV like, oh, 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 they said the name of the show. They, they said the name. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we have documented a saying is anytime a movie or a show says the title of the show, mm-hmm. it's like we're talking about Masters of the Air. And whenever those guys high five and go, we're Masters of the Air, boo <laughs> Nazis. I mean, uh, I mean, great dialogue just across uh-huh. the board. But for sure. Um, ooh, this last jump scare, didn't need it, didn't want it, didn't care for it, <laughs> wrote wrote the uh, studio, the writer and the director, a strongly worded letter that just said, no thank you, please stop making me wet my pants, I am too old for this, did not like I'm it. Generally, I'm generally with you, I'm not a big fan of these jump scares, but I felt like this one was just done so well, how like the camera looks one way, she turns, it comes a little bit further, and then you see this just lifeless body staring right at her, um, scared the living daylights out of me, and, and pun intended, since there's no daylight in this town since anymore. this is night country. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then again, like after this little sequence, like Danvers then comes back and then finds Navarro sitting there, like, again, talk about terrifying, sitting calmly by a Christmas tree that's being lit up by a car battery in this middle of this mining facility with her ears bleeding, right? Which is the same symptoms we saw from some of the other, other characters. So mm. again, it's just wildly creepy. It's such a good, I think, ending for, for this episode and knowing we only have two more left, I'm, I'm excited for the conclusion. Sure, sure. I mean, I would just like to point out this episode was very much a like Christmas themed episode. And as I've talked about before, on Christmas Eve, my spouse and I, the tradition is something that she brought to our marriage is we watch uh, Christmas Vacation, um, <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation every Christmas Eve. I am rejecting that tradition and I am only watching this episode every Christmas <laughs> Eve from here <laughs> on with my children and um it's gonna be a great christmas from here on out i'll keep everyone posted 
on my MySpace blog that uh, Please. I'm excited to know. Yeah. I feel like I've been watching the the Ted Lasso Christmas special uh last couple of years and that's been that's been lovely. So you chose a different path and I am I'd say excited to see what happens, but I'm more terrified for your children. Are you talking about the lasso episode, the the Keely and Roy Christmas, where she's just dressed up like sexy Christmas? You're just you're just watching that thirty seconds of that episode every Christmas Eve. You're gonna get in trouble, either, my man. I can neither confirm nor deny Boom. which parts I watch. All right, so I think we've got our killer. It's global warming, bad water, <laughs> and Navarro. I don't and hackers. I, and hackers. I don't know that this episode, like, I think they they like threw Otis on our lap. Not that we thought Otis was going to be the big bad, but we've kind mm-hmm. of figured out Otis at this point. Um, let's go back to the pin we placed, which we never do, Tom. But <laughs> you brought up that Navarro is not mentioned to anyone, like the the vision of the guy in the hotel room being like, "Hey, your mom says hi." Uh, gobbly gobbly gook i am dead <laughs> blah 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 that sort of thing mm-hmm. i think to your like navarro maybe the killer is she knows there are some hallucinations and some stuff that is going on with her that she is not telling other people and so i think that in itself can be dangerous and so i do think that kind of adds some weight to your conjecture from earlier well the question is where is that line like if she did know about this but then chose not to tell danvers then is she aware that she is killing these people and then just is hiding it like i don't think she is i think she i think this is showing us a when this guy points at her in the hospital and kind of tells her like your mom's calling out to you or whatever i would assume like that is the alter ego or the version of dan uh, navarro that is actually doing these killings um and, and i don't know it'd be interesting to go back and watch and see like what her facial expressions are like is she super scared is she more calm in the scene i can't remember um but i don't think you can have it both ways either she knows this stuff is happening and she's seeing things um or and then she's hiding the fact that she's doing all these deaths which i don't think is the case i don't think she knows that she's the killer so the only so let's look at physical evidence then so like she had an orange roll at her while she was out on the ice she picked it up and threw it um never told anyone about that experience that one time she was driving and she sees like the flashback of her mom with a crucifix she ends Mm -hmm. up with a crucifix in her hand which she throws out the window so my my thought would be is that she she does know that these visions are happening. That mm-hmm. would be my initial thought. Now, does she recognize all of them? And does that mean she realizes she's killing people or if she even is killing people? I don't know, but I do think she knows that something in her mind is a little bit broken. I agree. Yeah, I mean, she said as much too when she talked about like, feeling that she's kind of cursed, but she just doesn't know the extent of it. So I guess you could have a little bit of that where she feels and she knows that she has these visions, but doesn't know the extent of, of some of them. Sure. Again, it, this is with the assumption that we're on the right path here and, and Navarro is the the killer. Because my, my other thought in the last couple episodes is we still have Raymond Clark out there somewhere out in the woods. We still have Takak that seemingly went out somewhere, well, not in the woods, but in the ice somewhere, maybe in these caves. 
like somebody's going to stumble on them. And I would, my assumption would be maybe Navarro does. Um, and then we, as the audience get to see her go into that state and maybe kill one of these guys. Mm, interesting. Okay. All right. Well, um, we have two episodes left. And so when we join everyone again, it will be for part five which, as shows do not have a name for the episode that is before the finale, we will just call it Part 5. Uh, for just those- a quick quick housekeeping note, if you're listening to this when we drop it, the Episode 5 does come out early. It comes out on Friday because the Super Bowl is on Sunday. So we get an early taste of the penultimate episode and then back to the regularly scheduled Sunday drops for the finale. Wonderful. Thank you for that note. That really puts a timestamp on this episode. Everyone <laughs> will know that it is around Super Bowl Four. Um, for those of you that have listened to us, we appreciate you. For those of you that have left lovely reviews of us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thank you. For those of you that have sent us weird, passive-aggressive comments, uh, I guess cool. You can reach us at teambingepodcasts at gmail.com. We love to engage with our audience, except for when they are offering or asking for money. So, Tom, what did I miss? Uh, yeah, follow us on the socials, Team Binge, or at Team Binge Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Um, again, let us know what you think about some of the theories about Navarro. Do you think we're on the right track? Uh, anything that we kind of missed? Uh, we'd love to love to hear from you guys. Yes, we would. For Team Binge, I have been Julian, and I have been Gumshoe Tom. Till next <gasps> week, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Thank you.